Hey, Kevin Draves here with the Howl for Diamond Box Bluetooth speakers. I got to tell you, I play basketball at the gym down the road for me all the time. And sometimes I go late at night. I bring my Diamond Box. And now they're introducing three new systems. The new L2, XL2, and M2 all feature stereo sound by themselves or split stereo sound with wireless syncing of two units for a live sound experience. Loud enough for any environment. And I kid you not, you could play this at low volume and you'll hear it in any room of your house. This is the most powerful Bluetooth boombox speaker on the market today. Check them out on Twitter at Diamond Box Co. That's box with two X's, Diamond Box Co. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl coming live from the den. We'd like to welcome everybody listening on the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. We are a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite sport. That's basketball. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on the howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron, I'm leaving now, Groshong, the producer of the show. And to my left is none other than Rob, Peanut Butter and Pickles Hess, who is the jack-of-all-trades for the program. The first half of our show tonight is the 2K All-Day segment. This week, we take a look at the future of the Timberwolves. Maybe some old faces included in there. You'll have to see. Third quarter tonight is our talker segment. This week, we have a great dose of Wolves and general NBA and WNBA topics, and we end this quarter with our weekly look at the Iowa Wolves. Tonight's episode, we honor Maurice Stokes, a player whose career and life were cut short due to an NBA injury. Take a lesson from Maurice, who, despite everything, never gave up and always had a smile on his face. When asked what his initial reaction was to finding about his medical issue, he said, I had one of two choices. I could have quit, or I could have rolled up my sleeves and used every ounce of energy that I had to beat this thing, whatever it was. 
for the last 12 years of his life. It's exactly what Maurice did. All right, so we start off this week's show, of course, with the first half. And this week, the first half is going to be our 2K All Day segment, looking at the future for the Timberwolves. Kind of looking ahead and looking to the past a little bit as well. We start off, though, with the end of this season. So we started off with the start today portion of NBA 2K. So we simulated through the end of the season with Ryan Saunders as the coach. Uh, final record ended up being 33-49. and 49. I definitely think that they do finish a little better than that. Again, we do have to create Ryan Saunders. So we, we do that with, uh, I think his name is Luke Lucas. And we changed that staff member. So we sign him, and then you can edit him. Once he's signed, you can edit him, and we turn him into Ryan Saunders. But the, the team was, you know, we, we have a perimeter-centric team when you're with Ryan Saunders. He's definitely more of a modern coach. But, you know, we weren't we took made him the coach as of basically today, literally today. So not a lot of time to do much if you're taking over that late in the season. Looking at the season stats, though, just to kind of get an idea of how the team did. So player stats, Carl Towns and D. Rose led the way. Andrew Wiggins was right there as well. You know, four rebounds, 2.5 assists per game. Those numbers are definitely going to be bigger in the real season for Andrew Wiggins because he's really taking a nice step in terms of his development and becoming a you know a better overall player. But still, good to see. Oh, and a, and a steal per game, so that's not bad. Carl Towns, 12.3 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists. Again, I think his numbers are going to be higher than that. Not necessarily rebounds or points, but his I would say his assist numbers will definitely be higher than that. Although 1.6 blocks, nothing too nothing too shabby about that. Bucks, by the way, ended up winning the championship four games to two over the Golden State Warriors. So very cool. Giannis obviously is your MVP. Looking at the league meetings in our very first offseason, they have abolished the trade deadline. So trading is allowed throughout the season. That's actually started to pass more often in some of these. It's kind of a meh thing for me because it's never I don't see how it's ever gonna get passed, just given how how important it's been. The the trade deadline is such a big news cycle for the NBA. I don't see them just getting rid of that. That just seems uh, a little goofy to me. Now, uh the the weird thing here is they have us as not having a first-round pick, which I think is incorrect. So looking at the futures picks and everything, the Celtics do not have our pick. So either it's a glitch or there was some sort of a trade that I'm not aware of that the team made. Uh, very strange, if you ask me. Um, so we skip ahead and looking at... Introducing the Roadcaster so, wow, okay, Pro so Podcast we actually our production won the lottery. The Roadcaster so, sorry, is a Celtics, true but world first we're taking that all in one console have the right solution to that pick. for podcasters of trade. all levels. So Featuring four microphone channels, number one pick. Bluetooth, now, of course, they're USB, not going to want to trade that TRRS pick. But again, inputs. we didn't color-coded it. sound effect so, pads. Four high-power head pick that we didn't actually more. benefit from. The Roadcaster Pro is professional podcasting made easy. In fact, what we'll do here is in stores this December. Visit www.road.com for more information. Once again, that's www.road.com. Com. But I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to believe that we did any sort of a thing uh, behind the scenes. So we'll take a look here. Again, this is The Howl, and we are Nothing But Net on Dash Radio. Yeah, so I'm not able to find anything as far as trades are concerned. I have no idea 
what happened in the game, but we definitely do not owe them a pick, and we definitely didn't get any of their players. I mean, if I'm throwing away a, a number one pick, am I getting Jason Tatum? Am I getting someone else? Uh, I did not get anybody. So we did make a trade. So we do have the number one overall pick, which obviously changes things quite a bit. I would be very pleased if that happened. And uh, no-brainer, we are going to grab Zion Williamson. I mean, again, literally just a no-brainer. I get that we've got Dario Sharge, but I just don't care. This is a guy that can play the four. He's probably going to play some three. So many things to like about that player. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer to take Zion Williamson. Probably going to win Rookie of the Year uh, no matter what. Uh, so to me, again, it's a no-brainer. So we do take him. In the second round, we have a pretty good uh, few options available to us as well. We end up grabbing a player that I actually have had pretty good luck in terms of uh, getting decent is Kobe White, uh, point guard out of North Carolina. So we do draft him, and that is year number one uh, of the uh, draft. We are going to obviously move on to the rest of the offseason, but as far as beginnings go, this is as good as it gets. We will sign both of our players because Kobe White even is a 75, and Zion Williamson is in the 80s. So, again, just a no-brainer. Jeff Teague accepts his player option. It's going to be important for us to look to possibly move him. Not an easy contract by any means, but we want to make sure that our our point guard of the future is Tyus Jones. And we're going to you know go a different direction as well with another point guard, which we will go into with the rest of the offseason. So kind of once we passed the moratorium, that's going to be important to do that there. So here we are at the moratorium. First thing we always try to do is grab some quality two-way players. You tend to see uh, a couple mainstays on the list of players we go after, but a couple guys that I haven't used before that are listed here that I think could be pretty good options. We have Wenyan Gabriel, already 22, but he is a 69 overall, so that's not bad as far as two-way players are concerned. So maybe we look to go that route because that's a guy that hopefully could contribute sooner than later. Grab him. And then the other player that we're looking at for a two-way contract would actually be a player that's a little younger but still is expecting a two-way. Brandon Slater, who we have used in the past, he is 19 years of age, a 66. So it looks like, yep, so we got both those guys. We will renounce the rights to Taj Gibson. I'm actually going to renounce the rights to Derrick Rose as well. We will renounce the rights to Jared Bayless. I like Jared Bayless. If the Wolves actually did bring him back, it wouldn't hurt my feelings by any means. But I think there's better options available, and we're going to kind of go over that. And Isaiah Cannon is another player we are not going to choose to keep or Jared Terrell. Or sorry, or C.J. Williams. Jared Terrell and Tyus Jones we are going to try to keep. I'm just a big fan of Jared Terrell. He's relatively inexpensive, and I like a lot of the things that he brings to the table. It is important to make sure when you're doing this, you want to not re-sign your own players in the moratorium. Now, of course, the one caveat to that, the one issue you can run into is trying to re-sign uh, let's say a, a big name free agent on 2K19, they might actually sign a deal with another team in the moratorium, and then you have to match that. You, so you do end up losing some of those years. But the problem you run into is sometimes when you sign a player to a long-term contract in 2K19 under the moratorium, even if they agree to a five-year deal, just as an example, sometimes the game, something happens where it ends up just being the qualifying offer for one year, and that really screws you. But that does not happen if you wait till real free agency. So that's why it's always just kind of a good rule as far as uh, how you want to handle your team. So taking a look at some of the players that are available, and the guy we are going to go after is Ricky Rubio. The issue we run into is we do have Jeff Teague. So it's going to be important for us to move on from Jeff Teague first and foremost. 
Now, I get that maybe there's not a lot of great offers out there, teams that are really interested, but hopefully we can find a match that we feel is also kind of realistic. So, for example, the Atlanta Hawks are offering us a first-round pick and Miles Plumley. That's not happening. I, I don't find that realistic. You look at some of the other teams, uh, the Utah Jazz, Tony Bradley and Dante Exum, not realistic. I just don't see that happening. Although, I will say this, if the Jazz are going to lose Ricky Rubio, then they would have a need for a point guard. So maybe something like this would make sense for them. But I'm not going to do it. We're going to keep looking because I don't think it makes a lot of sense for us. Uh, There's a few teams that are willing to make trades where we have to give a first-round pick, which that might be reasonable, but I'm not doing that. Mitchell Robinson and a first from the Knicks, there's no chance that that's a trade that actually gets offered. there's There's no chance. Here's one that actually, I think this is actually realistic. I'm not doing it, though. But Jeff Teague in a first-round pick for J.J. Barea would not shock me if something like that was on the table. I know there were uh, there was an offer for Anthony Tolliver for J.J. Barea in a second-round pick at the trade deadline. So that's why something like that wouldn't necessarily shock me all that much. So a lot of these teams are pretty reasonable. They're asking us, you know, they're saying to themselves, you, we want you to include a first-round pick if we're going to deal with you. I, I, I'm just not... I'm not about any of that. I am going to take this trade here, though. Zaire Smith, who really, you don't hear his name pretty much at all with the 76ers. Uh, Zaire Smith, for straight up for Jeff Teague, and I am going to say boom, boom. Yes, that is a, to me, it's a no-brainer, and hopefully that'll free up a little bit of cap space, and maybe we can go after Ricky Rubio, but it could still be a little tough given we given our cap space. So looking at the team... They're saying we still do not have enough cap space. So I think it's going to be important. Let's see. We'll take a look and see. We've got the cap holds of Jared Crow and Tyus Jones, which are almost nothing. We need to renounce the rights to the Jeff Teague trade exemption. That's going to help us gain a little cap room, hopefully. Looking at, so Ricky Rubio is still available. But again, we still don't have enough cap space to sign him. So we're going to have to look to unload something else in order to have enough space to actually be able to pick him up. Gorgie Jang, I know it's a guy that they have tried to move. I think we'll we'll look to trade Gorgie Jang just to free up a little more cap space. Uh, Bismarck Biombo is, is one deal we've been offered. Tony Bradley, Mitchell Robinson. Again, there's no chance that the Knicks are doing that. He's putting up just outstanding numbers. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them. <laughs> there's a few other teams that are willing to include, like you know, players that maybe aren't that great with some picks, which isn't the worst thing. We'd get Sidonius Thornwell from the Clippers uh, for Gorgie Jang in a second. That's actually not a bad deal, I would say, for either team, uh, just depending on what the Clippers are actually looking to do. Although I think what we're going to end up making the deal is for Tony Bradley. So Gorgie Jang for Tony Bradley. The Jazz have agreed to that deal. Maybe not the most realistic, but, I mean, it's not exactly going to kill us making a deal like that. Um, Somehow, actually, that deal ends up giving us less cap space. So hopefully when we renounce the rights to the trade exemption hopefully that gives us a little cap space and it does so we should be, have enough money now to actually look to re or to in a way resign uh ricky rubio because that's kind of that uh that that past name that we're looking to add to the team it looks like yep and so ricky rubio does sign with the team the issue we run into though is we would have to renounce the rights to tyus jones in order to make it happen we are not willing to do that tyus jones is here to stay so that's going to be one of the uh, unfortunate parts here is trying to navigate the salary cap. Part of the issue we're going to do as well is we have a really crappy CEO or CFO or whatever. So that's part of our issue is that we have a guy that's maybe not the greatest just in terms of 
what he's able to kind of accomplish, I guess. We're going to try lowering the amount of money we're offering to see if we can get both of them. I think it's going to be it's going to be a little tough, but if we can do it, see if we go too low, Ricky Rubio doesn't even bat an eye. He's like, nope, I'm not taking that deal. So that's part of our issue we run into with Ricky Rubio. We we got to find a way to be able to re-sign both of them. So maybe we look to the team to see if there's anyone else on the squad that would make some sense to possibly move on from. So looking at some of the pieces on this team, there's not really anyone that jumps off the page as far as players you really want to move on from that do, that that make too much money or or make almost any money. You're looking at some of the players that you know make a decent amount. Zion makes almost ten million. Obviously, Wiggins and Towns make absorbent amounts of money. Robert Covington and Darius Arch, but there's no reason to make there's no reason to move on from them. I do think they're a part of our future, and they're not going anywhere in any of these scenarios. That that to me, that's just not realistic. So what we're going to do is we're going to see what we can do. We're going to find a way to make it work. We'll bring them onto the team, and then we will go from there. This is Nothing But Net on Dash Radio, and we are the Howl, our 2K all-day segment here in the first half. All right, so our plan to sign Ricky Rubio did not work, unfortunately. We tried to hold out, and on day 12 of free agency, he agreed to a deal with us. But then he, in the end, I guess we got sniped last second by the Nets, who offered like 80, like, I think 80,000 more than we did. And that was enough to push it over the deal on a one or push it over the edge on a one term deal, one year deal. So we're going to look to try to grab him uh, in December if we can. But we did get Ricky Rubio light or sometimes maybe Ricky Rubio 2.0, depending on how you look at it. But uh, Avery, um, sorry, not Avery Bradley, but we were able to grab Patrick Beverly, who is a solid player, uh, you know, a defensive first point guard, I think who could help us out with our toughness right away. Looking at the full roster, you have Patrick Beverly, Kobe White, Tyus Jones. Shooting guards are Zaire Smith, Josh Kogi, Jared Terrell. Small forwards are Andrew Wiggins, Robert Covington, Katie Bates-Diop, and Brandon Slater, our two-way player. You have Zion Williamson, Dario Saric, Wenyan Gabriel. Centers, Carl Towns, Tony Bradley, and then we got Tyler Davis on a really, sh- really good low-cost deal. The reason why I wanted to do that is because in the past, we've had him just skyrocket into an amazing player. And we'll see if that's the case again. So we signed him to a four-year deal. Just 22 years of age, 68 overall, and we put him, we assigned him to our G League affiliate, the Iowa Wolves. So we are going to simulate to December 16th, which, funny story, is against the Utah Jazz, actually, Rubio's former team. And we'll see what we can do then. Hopefully we can make some sort of a deal to bring him over since that was kind of one of the mainstays that we wanted to pick up to hopefully kind of be that mentor to Tyus Jones and kind of give us some other options. Looking at the uh, before-the-season statistics like we like to do, taking a look at the power rankings, NBA.com has us. Wow, they really like us. They have us eighth. My, let's see, 2K Sports, they definitely do not like us, 26th. And Mark Spears has us eighth as well, so pretty good. We got a couple team or a couple uh, outlets. I think we're going to be awesome, and one that's not sold yet. So hopefully we can make them believers by the end of the season. So we'll simulate now through December sixteenth. Take a look and see what we can do as far as deals. Possibly looking to bring in Ricky Rubio, and we will go from there. All right. So we got to that point where we could actually try to trade for Ricky Rubio, but the expectations for what they wanted were were absolutely off the charts. We're talking like. Things like Sarich and a first-round pick or Andrew Wiggins straight up. Things that I'm just not doing. I mean, why would anyone do that for Ricky Rubio? I like Ricky Rubio. He'll forever be one of my favorite players, but I'm not. 
you know, I'm not giving away the farm just to get Ricky Rubio on this team. We've already got Patrick Beverly, who is in, in some ways a better player, in some ways a worse player, but uh, a player that fits the build all the same. So here we are, uh, middle of January, and we are – actually, the Nets went back to us again. So the Nets are the team that beat us out for Rubio. They just came back and said, how about Wiggins and a first for Spencer Dinwiddie and Willie Cauley-Stein? <laughs> oh, how about I run into traffic? That's what that makes me think about because that is a terrible trade. Um, but we are struggling right now. We actually had been pretty good up until right around uh, the beginning of January. And then we've, we've kind of gone on a, a bit of a losing streak here. But we are sitting at 19-26. Uh, and 26. Just beat the Cavaliers and the Clippers. And we lost a close one to the Warriors. So, you know, I don't think we're that far off. But we do still have a ways to go in terms of kind of taking that next step. Although we did just take off last year's champions, the Bucks, Beat them 105-103, which is pretty good. A lot of close losses, which for anyone that's paid attention to the Wolves recently, that's kind of been the mantra under Ryan Saunders is a lot of close losses. So we're hoping to maybe uh, buck that trend sooner than later. Uh, as January ends, we are sitting at uh, not let's see, 21 and 29 after a 99-102 loss to the Denver Nuggets. So we're still struggling to get to that consistent level of, of being able to win games, which is unfortunate. We're getting a lot of trades offered to us, but the guy that everyone wants is Dario Saric. I'm, I'm just not looking to move him. I don't have any reason to do that. If someone wants to make a trade with me, you know, we've got some players that I'm more than willing to part with, but I'm not, I don't want to part with Wiggins. I'm not trying to part with Towns. You know, there's a lot of players that teams are, are calling us about that just, you know, for the future of this franchise doesn't make a lot of sense. Now I get, there's a lot of people out there that are super down on Andrew Wiggins and that's fine, but that's not me. I'm not, I'm not down on Andrew Wiggins and I'm not trying to give him away. Uh, case in point, Gallinari and Harrell, from the Clippers for Wiggins and a first. I mean, why would I do that? I mean, it just doesn't it just doesn't make a lot of sense if 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 I'm the Timberwolves, I just don't get why you look at a deal like that. 24 and 32. I would say we're on a bit of a win streak. We've won 3 out of the last 4, 4 out of the last 5, so that that's something at least to maybe a a step in the right direction as we hit the All-Star break. So, here it is the second half of the season. Hopefully we can make some sort of a run and and maybe make a playoff push. That'd be really nice to see. Chemistry is up to 88%, which is pretty good. We did just lose a close one to the Rockets, but we did beat the Jazz. So it's kind of, like I said, a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, a close loss to the Warriors. We do beat the Trailblazers. So you're getting some pretty good quality wins. Close loss to the Pacers. One of the things I've noticed is we're not we're not getting blown out. Every game has been relatively close for the most part. Uh, we just won two games in a row against the Grizzlies. We just beat San Antonio. So the record is 30-35. and 35. We're on pace. Now, again, we're not there yet, but we're on pace to have a better season than we did last year, which is huge. Uh, we've now won six games straight. Uh, one, actually, seven games. We just beat the Nets, which is really cool since they tried to you know, screw us in a Ricky Rubio trade. The other thing to keep in mind about Rubio, too, is he's on a one-year deal. So there's a good chance we could try to sign him this offseason, maybe for a little less since he is going to be a year older. We just passed 500. We are 37 and 36. Can we get to 40 wins and hopefully make a, a run at the playoffs? The eight seed in last season simulation was 43 is what they ended up having for wins. So we're going to be right on that bubble. We just hit 40 wins. We're 40 and 37 right now. We got a few uh, interesting games to go. Hopefully we can pull out some wins against some of these teams. 42 and 37. 
We were playing the Clippers, and we just beat them. Now, the Clippers were the team that made the eight seed last year at 43 wins, and it looks like we are going to exactly 43 wins, so 43 and 39. As we jump into the superlatives, Giannis is your MVP. Zion Williamson, our guy, rookie of the year, putting up some monster statistics. Eric Bledsoe, sixth man of the year. Giannis is also defensive player of the year, so obviously had a phenomenal season. Yusuf Nurkic is your most improved. Coach of the year is Nick Nurse. Going through the all-NBA teams, we'll take a look and see if any of our players made it. Carl Towns made all-NBA second team. Very cool to see that. All-defensive first or second team. Uh, no, no, no one on that list. You might have thought that Robert Covington might make it, but he did not. Of course, all-rookie teams, we have Zion Williamson making one of those. And we actually slide in as the seven seed. Unfortunately, we are taking on the Golden State Warriors, so I don't love our chances. Game number one goes to the Warriors. Um, oof. I talked earlier about how we hadn't really gotten blown out. Yeah, we got blown out. 109 to 86 is the score in game number one. Although, game two, we take 112 to 99. So, how about that? Winning game two in Golden State as they move back to Minnesota. The Warriors, by the way, finished the season 50 and 32, just seven games above us. Game number one in Minnesota goes to the Timberwolves. How about that? Another close game, 122-113. to 113. We are up two games to one. Going to game number four, and it's us again. We are up three games to one, and we blow them out of the water, 138-114. to 114. Super impressive, and I'm not going to blow this lead. I am going to jump in. We are going to simulate with SimCast, and we are going to take a deep dive into game number five here as the Wolves and the Ryan Saunders-led Wolves, mind you, look to take out the Golden State Warriors in game number five here. So here we go, simulating the game. This is in Golden State, of course. Early on, it is going to be a pretty good back and forth as the Wolves, at best, get a two-point lead. As the first quarter starts to dwindle down, the Warriors do start to try to pull away, but a couple threes from the Wolves, and immediately they are able to get the lead. They are down one point, though, going into the second. As the second quarter starts, the Wolves actually start to pull away. Eight minutes left, they have an eight-point lead. Second quarter is coming down. Three minutes left, Wolves still up by eight, now up by ten, and actually up by twelve as the third quarter starts. Third quarter, it is more of the same as the Wolves start to pull away. They have built a 19-point lead with three minutes to go in the third quarter. You always got to watch out for those Golden State Warriors. They are a pesky bunch. 20 points, though, the Wolves are up now in the fourth quarter. This one is looking like it might be over. It is a 14-point game, and as the buzzer sounds, the Wolves win 107-96, to just, just really having a phenomenal series against the Warriors. As the, uh, at Tom Ziller, he says, Towns at 26 points, more than enough for the Timberwolves to win over the Warriors. Very, very impressive as the Wolves are one of the first teams to move on. And how about that? A seven seed taking out the number two seed Golden State Warriors. So we move on to round number two, where we are going to be taking on the Lakers, a team that we definitely were better than in the regular season. Not record-wise, but when we went head-to-head, we definitely end up taking most of those matchups. All right, game one does go to the Lakers. It is in L.A. They beat us by nine points. Game number two, wow, we lose by 14 points in L.A. All right, here it comes back to Minnesota. This is looking like it might be, oh, and we do take it. Nice win, 123-101. to 101. We take it in Minnesota. Can we take game number four as well? Unfortunately, we cannot. We get blown out 
by the Lakers. Very surprised by this, considering we played so much better than them in the regular season in head-to-head matchups. I'm a little surprised that we're struggling this much against them in the playoffs. But, again, playoff LeBron is a real thing, and obviously he has come to play. We have jumped into SimCast here for what could be our last game of this season. One of the tips that the scout has said is giving less minutes to Zion Williamson in this one. I am not going to do that. I'm going to let Ryan Saunders continue to run the show. As right now, actually, the Wolves have built a seven-point lead in the second quarter, up 37-29 to now, actually, uh, as the second quarter is coming down to a wire. As the first half ends, Wolves are up by 12 points, 53-41. Third quarter, it is a good back and forth, but mostly Lakers to start it off as they are really trying to fight back. But the Wolves make a push of their own, and they are able to keep it in double digits, building it so far all the way up to a 15-point lead at one point in the third. As the fourth quarter starts up, it is Lakers really trying to push. But Wolves, every time the Lakers make a run, the Wolves make a run of their own. And now it is looking like it is going to be the Wolves win here. Final score is 110-97. to We do end up winning that one. So not too shabby there. It gives us two wins. We are now down three games to two. Hopefully we can, we can even the series here. This game takes place in Minnesota. Simulating with SimCast once again starts off with... Lakers taking a bit of a lead, 8-2 to two early on. First quarter starts to come to a little bit to fruition as the Lakers push their lead all the way up to 9 points. Second quarter is more of the same as the Lakers are starting to blow out the Timberwolves. Hopefully the Wolves are able to make a comeback, but as of right now, this game is all Lakers. As the first half is coming down to a close, the Wolves are down by 20 points. Looking like a team that just was, for some reason, was not prepared for the playoffs. Third quarter, it is more of the same, although the Wolves make a little bit of a push, bringing it to 11 points at one point. Can they bring it a little closer going into the fourth quarter? Wolves are now down by, looks like, 11 points in the fourth. Can they find a way to make it a little bit of a smaller margin? I'm, I'm just not loving our odds. With a little over five minutes to go, the Wolves are down by 11 points. Let's get it to eight points off of what must have been a three or an and one. Get it to not only eight points, but now it's down to five points. Two points. Oh, back up to five. And it looks like, and the Wolves do take a little bit of a lead. Kind of a back and forth. And the Wolves end up winning it, actually. So we do go to a game number seven. Again, we will simcast game number seven. Can the Wolves do the impossible? Come back from the 3-1 lead and find a way to move on to the next round. It's going to be a tough one. Early on, Wolves are up 8-3 to three with eight minutes to go in the first. As more of the first quarter dwindles down, the Lakers do come back and they end up taking a small lead going into the second by one point. Second quarter is more of the same as neither team is able to pull away. Wolves do have a four-point lead with about four minutes to go. As halftime is coming up, it is all Lakers, though, as they go on a about a 15 to nothing run, and they are currently blowing out the Wolves going into the third. It is an 11-point game now with five minutes to go in the third as the Wolves were able to fight back just a little bit, but the Lakers made that short-lived as they were able to build their lead up to 20 points going into the fourth. 11 points now with six minutes left. As we're coming to the wire, it is all Lakers, as in the end, it is basically a blowout. 103-88, the Timberwolves have been eliminated. Not the way you wanted to go out, but very solid considering you were the seventh, uh, the seventh seeded team in the Western Conference. Plus, if you want to know what makes the Lakers so good, they still have LeBron James, 
but they've added Kira Lewis Jr., who's really good. They still have Lonzo Ball. They have Cam Reddish, and they have Jimmy frickin' Buckets, along with Rudy Gay, Ingram, Kuzma, and Wagner. That is, an, that is a really good team, and I have no clue how that team is a six seed. I would not be shocked in the end if that team ended up winning it all with all the talent that they have. They're taking on the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference Finals. Utah Jazz have built a 2-1, well, 3-2 lead, and going to, oh, Lakers do make the championship, taking on the Toronto Raptors. Raptors are looking like, yep, and the Raptors do pull it out, four games to one. Kawhi Leonard is your MVP. So not too shabby in year number two of this little scenario here. Now that it's the offseason, again, we will try to bring in Ricky Rubio. I feel like this shouldn't be that difficult. The only thing that gets changed, by the way, at the league meetings, the top four picks the top four picks are now done through the lottery. Remaining picks are determined by team record. Looking at the draft lottery itself, we, of course, are not in the lottery, and we did not look to make any sort of trades. We are going to be having the 18th pick in this one. Thank goodness they did not give our pick to the Celtics for no reason like last year. So that's obviously pretty important. We do need to tra- change our trainer as the trainer we actually had last offseason was not an A, which means we were actually only able to get two training camps as opposed to three, which does make a big difference. You're able to make your team that much better for the future when you're able to grab some of the talent you have gotten, whether it's through trades, free agency, or the draft, and, and add to their potential. It definitely gives them a nice uptick in value. So we're going to grab one of the top trainers. It looks like there's actually only one trainer available that actually has an A for training. And so it is important that we overpay him just to make sure that we do end up getting him. Jumping ahead to the NBA draft, this is a very solid draft class. For anyone that's listened to us in the past, there's a ton of good players in this one. So we simulate to our pick, pick number 18. I'm guessing there's going to be some pretty good players available. Looks like Moses Brown is one guy we really like. Uh, Mac McClung is another one that we, we, we tend to uh, look towards. Me and Kevin are huge fans of Mac McClung. If you are not aware of who he is, he is currently playing for Georgetown. Ends up Could end up being, I think, a very good player at the next level. Uh, the only downside that he possesses would be that he's not exactly tall. You know, He's only 6'4 for a shooting guard. Has a decent wingspan, but man, is he an athlete. Can jump out of the gym. So one of the reasons that we really like him. Looking at the overall build of the roster, uh, I have to wonder if there's maybe someone out there that would look to maybe take on one of our players, such as looking you know, position by position. But Patrick Beverly, I don't think, is in our long-term plans. If we can look to possibly move him, maybe there's a, a team out there that's looking to you know, give us some sort of a relief if we can get it. It looks like we could actually trade his salary and get, some, get a first-round pick from a team. There's a, a few teams that are actually looking to move on from their picks to get a solid point guard, a team like the Pelicans, the Pacers. So there's actually a number of teams that would be willing to uh, move a first-round pick. The Lakers, but obviously they're not going to have much of value. Now, some of these are later picks as opposed to you know this year. They're going to be, let's say, in 2022. And so that's one thing to keep in mind as well. We could trade, and I actually don't hate this, Jared Terrell and Patrick Beverly for a first for two first-round picks, actually, from the Warriors. But again, it is the Warriors' picks, so you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt. But I think it's worth it to trade those two players, and that gives us a little more cap flexibility to hopefully sign Ricky Rubio, the guy that we tried to get last offseason, but obviously we were not able to. 
So looking at what the team actually needs, if you go to scouting when you're at the actual draft, you can go to team needs and you can go position by position if you want to and look at the different you know players you have at the different spots. It looks like we're pretty set for young shooting guards since we do have Kogi and Zaire Smith, so Mac McClung's probably out of the picture. We've got good young wings because obviously you have Andrew Wiggins, Robert Covington, and Kata Bates-Jop, as well as actually Brandon Slater, who became a pretty solid player here, 20 years of age, 72 overall. We would definitely look to keep him if we can. Uh, power forwards, we still got all those power forwards, and Wenyan Gabriel became a very nice asset, 23 years old, but a 75 overall now, which is pretty solid. Uh, looking at some of the other players, you have Tyler Davis, who, despite the fact that he belonged in the in the G League, got very angry about it, and so he has dropped a little bit, and so he might be a guy we look to trade just because he's obviously a little bit of a baby. The guy was in the 60s, and he was 22 years of age. You belong in the G League. That's where you belong. We decided to put you there, and you got to suck it up, my man. Got to suck it up. And you're signed for four years, so there's literally nothing you can do. Looking at the rest of the roster to see if there's any other pieces, you know, it might not be the worst thing if we do look to see what kind of value uh, Tyler Davis has just because we've already got some pretty good players at those positions. We don't exactly need a center, and so if we can maybe make some sort of a trade that nets us uh, some nice profit, given, given that he's not making a lot of money, might not be the worst thing. And actually, there's a number of teams that are willing to offer us first-round picks. And in this case, I think that's legitimate. I think these, he's got first-round value. And so if a team, you know, with the right pick, I think it's worth it. And it looks like the, there's a number of teams. The Magic would probably be a pretty good one. They're offering us a 22nd. Uh, first round pick the Pacers at 21 if we include a second round pick I mean these are some pretty good options in fact I think I'll take that so the Pacers sending us a 2021 top three protected pick for Tyler Johnson who's being a baby and we are fine with moving on from him I mean there's better options when you're looking at uh, who's actually going to be available here so taking a look at the actual players that are available in the draft class and we're choosing our prospect you know, a center could make some sense now because we ended up moving moving on from who we had. Looking at the top overall players, and, and you know, a lot of the guys that are available are going to be uh, centers. And how about this? And this is a guy we've, we've taken in the past, but how about this? Moses Brown, seven foot two with an eight foot one wingspan. To me, that's a no brainer. I mean, you can't you can't pass up on that size. It's just eight foot one wingspan, seven foot two. Are you kidding me? We're t- we're entering Bobon territory. It's a no-brainer for me. And as here on the Howl, we are some of the biggest fans of Boban that exist. Got to do it. A number of teams are willing to trade us uh, sometimes one, if not two, second-round picks. But I think we have some pretty good players available. In fact, Erno Duganix, for anyone that's not aware of him, he's actually a two-way point guard out of Europe, could be a pretty solid player. He's listed out of Hungary. We will take him. We actually haven't taken any players for the uh, European stashes, and so we actually have the room to do so. So a very solid draft for us. This is looking pretty good here. Looking at the uh, the players that we end up getting here in the uh, in the rookie signings, we retain the rights of Erno Duganix, who is 19 years of age, and he is a 68 overall, but he can get pretty good. And then Moses Brown, 20 years old, a 76. Obviously, we talked about his intangibles. A lot to like about him. Looking at team and player options, we will pick up Kobe White, Kata Bates, and Zaire Smith. Looks like they want us to decline the option of Tony Bradley. 
He's making $3.54 million. That's just too much to pay a guy that's your third-string center. And then we will, of course, accept Josh Akogi. So he's going to be important to our future. Qualifying offers, Wenyan Gabriel, Darius Sarge, and Brandon Slater. The goal would be to, of course, re-sign all of them as they could be really nice building blocks uh, for the team going ahead. Again, it's going to be important to make sure that you do not try to re-sign these players in the moratorium. The moratorium, for my money, is generally only for two things. One would be signing players that are not currently on your team, and then specifically signing players that are not currently on your team that you're trying to get as two-way players. That's really the only scenarios where I'm trying to use the moratorium. Or, you know, if you're going for a big-name free agent, let's say you're going for like a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James or something like that, then yes, do it in the moratorium because otherwise you are going to miss out on those top-tier free agents. But for everything else, definitely wait until you've gotten into uh, real free agency. Looking ahead at some – right now we're trying to scout some two-way players. There's actually not a lot of great value in two-way players in this one. It looks like one of the best is going to be Greg Smith or Chow Bass. These are players we actually have never used before. There's also Howie Snow and Isaac Dunleavy. I think our best option is going to be Greg Smith since he is a a nice wing prospect. So we'll grab him. Both guys do agree. So we got Jalen Banks and Greg Smith. They want us to renounce the rights of some of these players, but that doesn't make any sense to me. We are going to not renounce the rights of the players except for Tony Bradley, who just makes too much money. And then we will, so we keep a cap hold, and then we do uh, renounce the trade exemption for the Tyler Davis trade. Puts us in a pretty good spot so far for this offseason. And we've only got 10 players currently on a contract, so part of that's going to be important to make sure we can sign as many of our players as we can. Uh, Again, sometimes when the game wants you to not re-sign players, you really got to pay attention to the cap holds that they try to renounce the rights to. So like Saric... Uh, Brandon Slater and Wenyan Gabriel. The game is trying very hard to get us to renounce those rights, but it's, in our case, it's just not worth it. You want to be able to hold on to them if you can, especially Sarge, for example. We do have his bird right. All right, so this is going to be the last season that we actually end up going into uh, for the team here. So taking a look at how the the roster and the season, the offseason ended up playing out for us. So we'll start with point guards. We have Kobe White, Tyus Jones, and then we picked up Seth Curry, who ends up being a, a pretty good, uh, I think, end-of-the-bench guy, maybe emergency point guard if you need him. And then, of course, obviously Seth Curry, one of the better shooters in the league, so that helps us out quite a bit. And he's on a one-year min deal, so that works out pretty good. We have Erno Duganix, who we have his rights to, and then we have Jalen Banks, our two-way point guard. Shooting guards, we have Zaire Smith and Josh Akogi. Small forwards, Andrew Wiggins, Robert Covington, Katie Bates-Diop, Brandon Slater, who was our two-way player last season. And then we actually have... A new two-way player as well as a small forward, Greg Smith. Power forwards, we have Zion Williamson, Dario Saric, and Wenyan Gabriel. Centers, Carl Towns and Moses Brown. So really a lot to like here with this roster. We will take a look, of course, seeing how they actually expect us to do. Looking at the power rankings, NBA.com has us fifth. We have 2K Sports. They were haters before, and it looks like they still are. They actually thought we got worse. We are now 26th. And then you have Mark Spears thinks us fifth. So hopefully the first two or the first one and the last one are correct. Hopefully 2K you know is wrong when we're going through these simulations. So we'll jump ahead to the midway point and see how the team is able to do. You're listening to the Howl, and this is nothing but net on Dash Radio. 
All right, one thing I wanted to mention as we jump back into this, we did try to pick up Ricky Rubio, but again, it was not in the cards. And we actually tried to trade for him before the trade deadline, but someone else had already done that, and so he cannot be traded again. They, they made the comment. Actually, I take that back. They did make the comment he could be traded in the near future. The issue, of course, would be the trade deadline, but there is no trade deadline since the trade deadline was abolished. Well, except for they're still claiming today is the trade deadline, so... That confuses me. They definitely said the trade deadline was abolished. So it must not, must not be taken into account until next season. So we are going to be stuck without him. Uh, we are not going to simulate to make any other uh, – we aren't going to skip uh, and make any other offers, although we will take a look to see if anyone is available for contract extensions. Looks like Robert Covington will resign as an extension, as well as uh, Kata Bates' job. Would resign, but the game is actually uh, – despite the fact that he's – Able to resign and willing, the, we must be maxed out because the game is not letting me even contact him. So kind of goofy there. We'll just have to wait till the offseason. And we'll have to wait till the offseason to try again if we were to go after Rubio. Although at this point, I would say maybe it's just not in the cards. But that's all right. I still think, I still think this is a pretty good look at what the future could hold for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Ryan Saunders. Now, the one thing we did not do in this scenario would be looking at the possible GM candidates the Wolves would actually look for at real life. I think one name to watch for that I will mention is Chauncey Billups. I think he's going to be a major player in what could be a, you know, a nice future for the Timberwolves if they can bring the right pieces together. And one thing I will add, if you bring in Chauncey Billups, if you make Ryan Saunders the long-term, you know, long-term answer at head coach, I think that goes a long way into improving your relationship as well with Kevin Garnett. And for any Minnesota Timberwolves fan, that is obviously a priority. Looking at the record, Wolves are currently 43-22 and 22 in this scenario, so looking very, very good. Lots to like so far. We just beat the Thunder. We just blew out the Warriors, beat the Nets. This has been a, a nice run here. One thing we've noticed in some of these simulations is in the second half of the season, sometimes the team falters a bit. Not this year. We have looked very, very solid, and really not not much to complain about in this one. 48-25 is the current record. We just blew out the Warriors again. We had a nice win against the Bulls, the Kings. We beat the Wizards. This has been nothing but wins. 51-25 and 25 as we were coming down the wire at the end of the season. Oof, yuck. A loss to the Hawks kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but... You follow that up with a nice win against the Warriors and a nice win against the Lakers, two teams that we in the past you know, sometimes can struggle against because they have such, such talent. And you end the season, how about this? Beat the Kings, you beat the Suns, and you beat the, Net, the Nuggets. So a nice, uh, a nice look at how we would stack up against some of those young, up-and-coming Western Conference teams. Superlatives, here we come. MVP is Giannis. We have Anthony Edwards as Rookie of the Year. Dennis Schroeder is your sixth man. Giannis, Defensive Player of the Year again. So clearly this game loves Giannis. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is your most improved. And Coach of the Year is Mike D'Antoni. Looking at the all-NBA squads, hopefully we can have someone make a list. Not first, not second, or third team. So no, uh, unfortunately Towns does not make a list. So he was not able to get to that point. Nobody makes the all-defensive teams. And we did not have any rookies that played enough, would be my guess, to make those squads. We finished with the number two record in the West, and we are 56 and 26, taking on the 42 and 40 Utah Jazz. To me, this should be a win, but you never know. As we go down 0-1 somehow to this crappy Jazz team, 0-2 
we are losing now to this crappy Jazz team. Uh, we win the first game in Utah because, yeah, sure, that makes a lot of sense. We can't win in Minnesota, and we, but we'll win in Utah. Uh, we lose the fourth game in Utah. We're down one game to three. This is re- kind of ridiculous if you ask me, but the game is what it is. We will jump into SimCast, simulate the game, and take a look. Early on, it is the Timberwolves with a short lead all the way up to four points. Jazz do work their way back and are able to take a three-point lead as the first quarter starts to wind down. But going into the second, they are tied 23-23. to Second quarter is more of the same as is a good back and forth, 27-27, 30-30. As the second quarter starts to wind down, game is still tied. No one able to pull away, although the Wolves do build a five-point lead to end the second. Third quarter is back and forth again. Wolves up three points, 58-55, to but immediately the Jazz come back and we are tied again. This has been as close of a matchup as you could get. I'm not sure who's going to be able to pull away in this one. Fourth quarter, and it is the Jazz that start to pull away, able to build a four-point lead. Make that a six-point lead. They are up five points now with five, let's see, up five points with three minutes to go in this one. Can the Wolves find a way to finish off this game and stay in this series? And it was not meant to be as the Wolves end up losing 95-101, to which is I get frustrated, I will say, sometimes by 2K because some of these simulations really couldn't make less sense. We are far and away the better team than them, and it's not even close. I mean, looking at this Brad Wanamaker, uh, Zubats, they've got Mitchell, they've got Kevin Porter Jr., sure, they've got some nice pieces, but, I mean, come on. It's not even close. Carl Towns, Zion Williamson, Wiggins, Kobe White, Akogi, Sarge, Covington, Jones, Brown, that team would not even have a chance to beat us. I mean, it wouldn't even be a game. And and for them to win four games to one, I got to say, tisk tisk 2K. Uh, as much as I like your game, I will say that is a wow. And here we are in the second round, and they're they're beating the the, the th- three seed San Antonio Spurs. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And they're the Utah Jazz have just made it to the Western Conference Finals. I they're up two zero in the Western Conference Finals over the number one seed Thunder. Up they're up three one. What is this, destiny of some sort? And nope, they lose. They blew a 3-0 lead, and Oklahoma City Thunder make it to the championship, and the Thunder are the eventual champions. So I don't know what it, I don't know what's in the water in Utah, but clearly they were the team to beat in this one. That's actually where we're going to end it this week. We'll probably take a look more at this scenario at a what I would feel is a pretty realistic – well, I take that back. Zion Williamson, probably not realistic. The Wolves are probably not going to be as bad as they have been uh, in in this first year. So I think we're going to probably make a push at that eighth seed, and we're probably going to finish closer to 40 wins than we are closer to 30. So the odds of us winning the lottery are probably pretty slim. But at the same time, uh, some of these other pieces do make a lot of sense, and I think you can definitely build around guys like Towns, Wiggins, uh, Sharich, Robert Covington, Tyus Jones. I think there's... What makes this simulation, I think, pretty good is that Tyus Jones, I think, is very underrated currently in, in the grand scheme of things. So 2K hasn't taken into account the type of player that most Minnesota fans have seen he can become as far as being able to be a facilitator and a good defender. So if you kind of take in account the the things that maybe the game hasn't been able to account for yet, I think this does end up being a pretty a pretty good simulation and a pretty good look at what the Timberwolves could be. This has been... 
our first half 2K All Day segment here on The Howl, and you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Quarter three of The Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our talkers segment. Uh, we've got a lot of things to cover, so I want to dive into it right away. Guys, let's start with uh, Wolves-related notes. Uh, and I want to start with our injury situation as of late. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to get a couple point guards back now um, to help kind of ease the stress. But for a, a stretch here, you know, we've had Teague injured, Tyus, Derek Rose. Uh, I mean, we've had to go through, what, five point guards, six point guards? Because Bayless season? got hurt too. And yeah. so that's why Kanan ended up getting signed. And he actually just today got re-signed to a second 10-day. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, Darren Wolfson broke that news over the weekend. Um, guys, and, and with Robert Covington missing extended time now, um, who still knows? not close, apparently. Who knows when back. he'll be back? Yeah, I mean, they're using the terms closer, but, you know, you're closer than you were yesterday. You're still not very close. Missed almost 20 games already? Yeah, so let's, let's talk about specifically the point guard issues, um, but injuries in general that have been derailing this team. I mean, it's, it's tough to have some form of, of continuity, and a game plan when you don't know who's coming back and who's, uh, who's still out injured well, kind of thing. think about Ryan Saunders. If you're the coach, number one, you get thrown into this amazing opportunity. But in addition to that, night in and out, you don't know the players you're going to have. You already don't have a lot of practice time. And the little bit that you do, it's tough to really build anything because you don't know who's going to be playing next game. Yeah. I mean, Rose didn't come back till Monday night's game uh, against the Clippers. He, he's been out for a while. Teague is back. But still no Tyus. And now Wiggins is sick. Wiggins has an illness. I yep. mean, it's, he, was, he was listed as questionable for Monday night's game. So, I mean, he still had the opportunity. So I don't think he'll miss extended No, time. but it's just one of those things where it's but like, it just keeps piling up. And no, he's been playing really well lately. No timetable on Tyus's return right now. I mean, no timetable on Covington's return. And that, my understanding is those two aren't close. Yeah. Which and is now, here's the thing. Horrible. So when Tyus got hurt watching it live, I was like, oh my gosh, that looks really bad. And they made it sound like it wasn't that bad. It clearly was. Because they made it seem like it wasn't as bad of a sprain as they thought it might be. But he's been out for a long time now. Well, and I will say, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, Aaron, you've been in the same boat as, as well. <clears throat> and Rob, I mean, even you too. But an ankle sprain, especially trying to play basketball, I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to be on the shelf for a while. I mean, no matter how, how light or bad it's it tough. is. It's, it's tough. It's a tough yeah. injury to come back from. 100%. I'm, I'm no doctor, but I've sprained my ankle in that manner. You know, it depends on how much weight he was putting on it, but it looked like he put a significant amount. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I thought a minimum four weeks, likely six. Well, it reminded me of, do you remember the Rubio injury from two years ago? Yes. Where like his ankle like touched. Like it it was like that, but like in a different way. And so I'm immediately, I was like, oh my gosh, he's lucky that's not broken. And and that, that's, that could be like four to six weeks just to kind of trotting again. I I say he's lucky it's not broken, but in some cases that's better. Because sometimes the healing time is actually quicker if you broke it. Sometimes sprains, I mean, it takes a long time for that to go away. I've never broken my ankle, but a handful of sprains. I honestly think, and for me, given the fact that, you know, as the time we were recording this, the Timberwolves are playing the Clippers. Um, before You know, if you take this Clippers game outside of it, we've lost six of seven. Yeah. Okay, we're on a four-game skid. I, I don't see rushing these guys back until no. after the All-Star break. Nope, I, I agree. And look at how they what they did at the deadline, which is nothing. And so to me, I think they're pretty comfortable with what they have. And I will say, I don't know, I don't you guys, I think this is a good opportunity to touch on this. If you take into account the injuries and you take into account that most of these games, the Sixers game aside, have been really close games, like competitive games. 
I've been very impressed by Ryan Saunders. What are your thoughts? I I mean, I don't know that he could, I don't know how much better he could have been. I agree with that. And, and just very quick before the point guard talks over, you know, that second 10 day with Isaiah Cannon, that gets you through the all-star break with yep. him on the books. So you come out of all-star break, you can't sign him for another 10 day. You'd have to sign him for the rest of the season. Exactly. I don't see that happening because I'd like to hope we can bring well, Bayless back the, into the, the fold. name that we forgot to mention. Actually he's making his first start. Jared again. Terrell also hurt. I mean, that's literally Isaiah Kanan is our sixth point guard. So teams want to complain about injuries, but I'm sorry to, to literally have to go into a sixth point guard. And that guy's not, not only playing Kanan's been starting. I mean, that's it, how injured you've been and Teague. So I know Teague's back now, but the game before I, my understanding is I don't think he would have played had we had someone else to, available. We were so shorthanded with Jared Bayless also being out. They had to play Teague, but he was still in some a little bit of pain with the foot. So they were they just said like, "Look, we have to play him." I think if Kanan gets hurt, we gotta get a. I found a picture of my ankle. We might might have to get the the shooting gun out for me, and I might have to dust off the laces. A little right. Bit. I mean, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of injuries they've had. The problem you've run into as well is they've been a lot of long term injuries, but not to the point where you can get any sort of a a help from the league. You know how there's the deal where if you have enough players that are out long periods of time, they'll give you like an injury waiver and you can sign somebody. Correct. We, none of our guys are in, in that way where we can actually have that waiver. Well, let me, let me ask you this question too. Injuries aside, if these guys are healthy, do you think this team is in a similar spot? Well, think about this. I, I will argue that the team has looked better. Now, granted, Tom Thibber was a terrible coach. Beside that, I think the team in many ways has looked really good in a lot of aspects on the defensive end. And what's crazy about that is they're missing their two best defenders. Tyus Jones and Robert Covington haven't been playing. They've been out. And so you're putting, you're still playing really, really good basketball on the defensive end, despite missing those two. So how good would we be without, if we had those players? Rob, that's a, that's a really good point. And I, I hate to do this to you, but me and Kev over here are just cracking up. We're, we're, tra- we're, tra- we're trading pictures of sprained ankles. And, and Kevin's, Aaron, Kevin's is bad. Mine's, mine's is like, bad, but Aaron takes the cake. We'll, it, uh, we'll tweet these out on our Twitter accounts. Hashtag put me in, coach. <laughs> oh, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag if you're looking for the all-broken ankle team, I think Aaron and I fix. Yeah, man. That's where we're at, basically. I mean, at this point, it's a lot of foot I'll injuries. Take, I'll take vet men. Sorry, Rob. It, it was just uh, Kevin showed me, and I was like, come on. Man, that has, I got a little something on that. Is some some uh, uh, old dude playing uh, five-on-five undercut me on a three-pointer. It was, it was bad. Which, actually, but before we move on, the undercutting thing, uh, I want to bring up, bring this up because uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. I didn't see it until recently. A couple nights ago, it was the Thunder taking on the Rockets on Saturday night, and there was a video I saw where Paul George was was just, like, so fed up with, with James Harden, which joined the club. I've hated that guy or disliked him for a oh, long wow, time. Rob. Tell us how you feel. And there's a play. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And I even watched it in slow motion because, like, I wanted to really get a look where James Harden – is about to go for his patented thing. Well, not only does he do a step back, though, he legit just shoves Paul George. No call. And then when he goes to take the shot, normally, I've, I don't think James Harden does this, correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't normally jump forward, does he? No. He's pretty up and down. Yeah. So he jumps forward and then lands on Paul George. It looks intentional to me from James Harden. And not only does he land on Paul George, but he hits him in the head, which that part, I think, was accidental. But they gave him the foul, the Harden, the foul. And I'm like, you can't, how do you give a guy a foul call? 
for like the whole like invading a guy's space when you jumped forward and like substantially forward. See, and it's it's funny you say that because Sunday in the Lakers Sixers game, Kuzma, who was on fire by the way, yep. takes a three ball and uh, kicks his leg out and trips. I think it was Tobias Harris, and they called and they called the offensive foul on Kuzma. It should be. It gets called. And I was sitting with my buddy at the bar, and we go, "Oh, that's the James Harden rule." Except they don't call it on James Harden, which is so maddening. And it's here's the thing: it's not like he's going up against like some random guy he's going up against a guy that might win the MVP award in Paul George. Yeah. I mean, the guy's having a phenomenal. And of course, Paul George is pissed for good reason. And what happens after that, Paul George and the, and they just want to tear. Yep. Cause they, they were down 20 up. points at that point. Yeah. They came back and won. I mean, it was super impressive. I just, to me, that bugs me so much. If you're an official and I've been for anyone that hasn't noticed this. Uh, one thing we've started doing on Twitter is the Howlite reel. And one thing I'll do in that segment is I will call out the officials. And I've been sending in pictures to the official Twitter account. Not to troll them. I legitimately would love to have answers for some of these things. And this would be another example where I'd like to see a response. I know they do the two-minute report, which for anyone that's not aware of that, you know, the end of games, if it's within yep. five points. Those are actually very interesting to go through. You know the worst part? I don't know if you guys saw this today, but so the oh, most recent highlight reel, the, the Julius Randle. So Julius Randle clearly fouls Carl Towns. And in the two-minute review, they not only don't say that, they say that Carl Towns fouled Julius Randle. So at a certain point, I feel like the, the official NBA uh, refs, I don't know that they completely understand or – Maybe we have a, a misunderstanding of what Rob's the rules are. Rob's not sure are. if they understand. I mean, I get it, man, but... Like, there's know, a disconnect somewhere. That's what I... And that's I, why I, I don't get it. Most of the times, though, Rob, those reports, they do come forward with mistake calls. That one was rather shocking. I'll admit, I have... Very rarely do I visually see something... I mean, with my own two eyes and think that's a foul on that team. Well, that caused, that was literally the difference in the game. It's a two point game there. If they call that foul, it's our ball. And we had been on fire at that point. I, I'm telling you, Carl Towns is making a shot. We're tying that game and everything changes. Yep. But it is what it is. And again, especially let's say in the long run, we don't make the playoffs. Those are games that are better to lose, I guess, if you're looking at it that way. But for Ryan Saunders and for, the, for some of these young guys, you really want to get wins. You really agree. Do. Kev, what else we got teed up here in our talkers segment? Well, staying local, uh, if we're going to talk about uh, uh, answers and not understanding, I don't think the Wolves understand how the trade deadline works. You're supposed to, uh, if you're a team that's out of the playoff race, you know, you're supposed to maybe get rid of some guys that uh, could help another team win, maybe like an Anthony Tolliver uh, or a couple other guys on the team. Now, granted, we can't trade point guards because they're all injured, but... The Wolves stand pat at the trade deadline. It was reported by Darren Wolfson, um, among others, that it, it sounds like we were offered C.J. Miles in a second for Tolliver, and we said no. So I'm I'm actually going to uh, give a shout to uh, to Dane Moore of Zone Coverage. He actually kind of dove into this a little bit, and he gave the kind of the pros and cons for all the different offers that were reported by D- Darren Wolfson and John Krasinski and those guys, and he made a pretty valid point. And, and I know other people have pointed this out too. And initially I was fine with it. I would have liked that trade just because I think CJ Miles, while he's had a down year, is a really good player. And he would give you some wing depth you don't currently have. But the issue is he has almost a $9 million player option for next year, which he, of course, is going to pick up. And the second you do that, you're, you're, I think the way he laid it out is you're at almost like $122 million in cap space or in cap, like what you spent. And so now you're talking luxury tax. You don't have... 
you're, you're losing out on that mid-level exception and there's things that you lose out on. So for me, what it all boils down to is if you're going to use the mid-level exception, is the player you're going to get better than CJ miles? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. The only thing, and I didn't think about it this way, but he points out if you had CJ miles, you likely cannot resign Tyus Jones. And to me, it's a no brainer to say no to that deal. Then I agree with that. 1000% mm-hmm. keeping that, exception available for Jones, which, and Rob and I, you've had, you and I have had many discussions. We have, we both agree. We believe Tyus Jones is the point guard of the future for this team, the way it's assembled right now. And he's going to need that type of money to be retained because let's face it. I think he has value to many teams around the NBA. Now let's talk about CJ miles. He was a favorite on our Howell free agent Tinder. Yeah, we was. swiped. We, swiped we all right really on. wanted him, and, and for a good reason. But he's had a down year. He's not been good. Agreed. So I don't know if it's fit or maybe he is aging. It could be sort of getting to the end. And that player option, very expensive. One thing I learned 100% about the Timberwolves free agency, they were obviously trying to offload salary. They were not about taking on any additional salary. Nope. They are looking to be cap flexible going forward because – Obviously, I think we can all agree Teague is going to take his player option. I mean, he'd be so pretty foolish not to. That's a $10 million hit for our... No, that's $20 million hit. It's 20 Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I was thinking 10 or 12 No, it's like 19.7 or something like that. Oh, my. Where was I? And, and by so, the way, the Teague thing, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Teague's uh, contract is broken on every single trade machine. So if you try to type him in, they actually have his number wrong. And so you can't actually include him in trade deals. Like when people were trying to do trades and things like that, it doesn't work because his contract is broken. Well, it is like the broken. Way it's, the way it's, yeah, <laughs> in more ways than one. It's broken the, in the more The only ways thing I'll say about Teague is one person pointed this out. Because like if you're Jeff Teague, you could probably get a mid-level contract, like eight or nine million, let's say. So would he turn down that extra 10 million to, to maybe a take a longer year? deal? Well, and to go to a new cha- a new a new team where he'd actually get where he'd win. I still think he can get a three year deal after next season. And I ask you this: If Teague takes his his player option, does he then become a tradable asset for us before next be. year's trade deadline as an expiring contract for that team? And maybe they think they can resign him, or they just use him as a as a as trade. Send leverage. him back to the, the rebuilding Hawks. Maybe they'd want him. Yeah. I'm actually surprised just, teams like the Jeremy Magic Lynn. didn't didn't work did. for him. Well, Lynn actually went up to Toronto. He's, he's with going the Raptors. To Toronto. Good, good for him though. I'm I'm. There was uh, something on Twitter popped up and reminded me it was a couple days ago. It was the anniversary of Lin's the Jer- the Jeremy Lynn game. Linsanity, uh, man. Lin- the beginning of Linsanity. I remember. So I don't know if you guys remember where you were during some of this time, but I remember I was. It was before a Wolves game, and I was at the. It was a former twin who had a restaurant right by the Target Center. I, for some reason, I'm thinking Ron Coomer, but that's not it. But So I was at that guy's bar, and I remember we're, we're watching ESPN, me and the guy that I did tickets with, and they're talking, Lynn Sandy this, Lynn Sandy that. And it's funny because at the time, his numbers were actually fairly similar in, in many aspects to Rubio's. Just when you know, It was one of those things where I was like, why does he get this kind of a, a jump, or why does he get this kind of publicity? And it's because he's in New York. And that's, you know, because you're, you're watching a game, the game where it was uh, the Wolves versus the Knicks and Rubio had this like amazing game and, and Lynn had an amazing game too. Don't get me wrong, but you, you, it was all in, it was just nothing but Jeremy Lynn. And you're talking about 
some uh, some other good players at the time, good young pieces, and it was all about Jeremy Lin. I just remember sitting there at the bar going, get me another drink because I don't want to watch any more of this crap. Yep. But I'll tell you right now, I've gone back multiple times, gone to YouTube, and watched Lin Sanity because it's cool. I will say that whole time is kind of fun to watch. I remember it specifically because I was watching the game. It was uh, like an ABC weekend game yep. when it actually happened. And I was with my dad, and I remember they showed the bench, and this was before he checked in. And me and my dad, like, all of a sudden, they panned the bench, and we're like, who is this guy? It right, literally right. looked like like the water boy. Yeah. You know, because he didn't have this athletic no, build. He looked like if the coach would be, like, get in the game, he'd have been like, me? You're pointing at me? Yeah, it's, and, it's, like a, it's like a varsity game where the coach sends the last dude on the JV bench in in a blowout. And and they, they asked him to come in the game, and me and my dad were like, he's in the game. And next thing you know, he's hitting all these shots, he's making plays, and we felt the insanity happen live. Yeah. It was it truly was a thing, because all of a sudden you're rooting for this guy. It was kind of like a Rudy, Rudy. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's go, buddy. Like, yep. He could have been playing at the YMCA with me the week before. That's what it felt like. It's like, let's go. I'm all mistakes. about this guy. So Jeremy Lin's had a great career. Obviously, it hasn't been as successful as you maybe thought at that point, but he's he's done a really good job of having a long career, and teams still want him. He's very productive. But I think the two mistakes he made, first of all, leaving the Knicks. I think he should have stayed with the Knicks. I think he made a mistake there because I don't think his career was ever the same. Also, he's made many mistakes hairstyle-wise. I'm just going to put that out there. His his injury, too, didn't uh, crap out didn't his career. Well, that was kind of getting to be the, the end of his prime. Yes. Yeah. The, the one... Uh, the one thing I'll add before we move on is yeah. just in, in regards to the Jeff Teague conversation, someone pointed this out, and I think this is valid. What you do is you go to Jeff Teague before he has a chance to pick his option up and say, here's the deal. You can pick up that option if you want to, and we're fine with that, but you're not going to start, and you're not going to play major minutes because player A or B, we're hoping is Tyus, for example, we're going to start him. Yep. And I will say, if Ryan Saunders is the coach, I think there's an even better chance because him and Tyus are really good friends. They're very close. And I know Flip was very close with Tyus, and there's that whole thing going on there. And and I have to wonder, if if he was healthy right now, would he already be starting? And I think he might be. Guys, do we have time? I can break. I found a, a sweet article on Bleacher Report breaking down Jeremy Lin's game logs for the, the start of Lin's Saturday. Oh, we have to. We got to do right. it. We got to do it. So it says, December 27th, no big deal. Um Jeremy Lin signed with the New York Knicks. This is December 27th, 2012. And this is now February 4th, 2012. It says, after playing 55 minutes, Lin came out of nowhere to log 36 minutes against the New Jersey Nets. The Knicks had lost 11 of 13, and Lin scored 25 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, and a 99-92 Knicks win. So his first signature game was February 9th, 2012, after the Knicks won two straight and they played the Wizards. And Lynn had been integral to the two wins, but he hadn't had his standout game yet. And it begins February 10th, 2012. And this is the Knicks are without Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire, which I do remember this because this was really why he had to play. And this game was against Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, which why this was on national TV. I do remember. 
Lynn scores 38 points against Kobe at the Madison Square Garden, and that is where Linsanity began. Two days later, or excuse me, four days later, he hits a game-winning three against the Raptors, and there you have it. The beginning of Linsanity with a game-winning three, and it just didn't stop from yep. there. It's very I cool. mean, unbelievable. Yeah, it's very cool. It really unprecedented because it's never happened that I know of since um, in any regard. And what, in what sport? I mean, I, you know, look at NFL. Like has anybody just came out of nowhere, hockey, baseball, you guys aren't even listening to me anymore. Well, I'm a hundred percent listening. Okay. Yeah. I, heard. I don't think there's any other sport where you've seen it like that. Not, not out of nowhere like that, at least. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm trying to think. I feel like in football. The, the, so, clo- the closest is Andre Ingram with the Lakers last season. But even that's that's still basketball. What was one game? Was it the last game of the season or the second to last game of the season? It was second to last game of the season with Andre Ingram. You know, I feel like in football, we've definitely seen like some, some guys that just came out of left field. Well, Tom Brady. Well, I mean, that was a seventh round pick. A little bit, but uh, like wasn't Marcus Colson undrafted? Yeah, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen's a, a actually he's almost like a Jeremy Lin 2.0 because he's you know become like the greatest receiver in NFL currently. Wow, I would agree with he's the best receiver in the NFL. He's definitely the best receiver you've ever sat by at a Wolves game. That that's true. <laughs> All right, let's move on, guys. Uh, I want to talk about this because I saw this pop across my timeline. Pop I didn't across. know I didn't know officially how to feel about it until about two hours ago. Ooh. Um, Kevin with I've the been, official feels. I've been, I've been thinking about it. Uh, it was reported that Anthony Davis has to play in the remainder of the games for the season here. Otherwise, the NBA will find the Pelicans a cool hundred grand a game. Caveat to that: or must play and must play twenty five minutes or more. I just think it's BS. I think it's ridiculous. The whole thing's BS, and you know why it's BS. Is and they they pointed this out. I think it was on Bleacher Report how other players, other teams have done it to other players, and the NBA hasn't said a word. J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony with the Knicks. So the only thing well, I can think of with that, and I think you and I are about to say the same thing, is it's the star power with Anthony Davis. Correct. That's the difference, and that's but that's not fair. You can't hold the it's double not, standard because now because if Anthony Davis tears his ACL, tears whatever, he becomes untradeable. 100% untradeable, even after he comes back a year from now. No, no, no. He can go sign with the Warriors. For... Oh, for the vet men. Yes. That's right. My apologies. Yes. But, I mean, it, that's the thing is that now the NBA is basically saying, all right, we want more money, so you're going to have to risk getting nothing for a superstar player in a small market. I would disagree with that. I don't think it has anything to do with the money. I think at some point the the line had to be set of – this, you know, player demands a trade, gives the list of teams he's willing to be with. Like, the NBA had lost control of that. Can we can we agree to some point over these last handful of years, this player demanding trade, this is my pool. I mean, think of what Butler did to us. Hey, I'm coming out publicly. These are my, this is my list of my three teams. Think yep. of what that does yeah, to Kawhi your last year. Think of what that does to that organization's mm-hmm. bargaining chips. You know whose fault this is? Eli Manning. That asshole started the whole thing. I'm wow. just saying. Rob is all about <laughs> I only want to play for the Giants. Else. Yeah, I only want to play for the Giants. I, I, I think that's. I, I agree. I think it's ludicrous. And the NBA. The problem is if you're going well, to let agree players, that it was ludicrous. 
No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm adding that I think the just the whole, the whole thing is is out of hand. So what I'm, what I'm hearing too, and I, I don't know if you guys have heard this. It's kind of the the conspiracy theory about the whole AD trade is that the the Pelicans were never going to trade uh, AD to the Lakers. They were just mad because they thought LeBron was tampering in the offseason. So they uh, wanted Magic and Polinka to expose the players that they wanted to get rid of and create a riff in the locker room. Yep, I, I heard the same thing. It felt like that. I mean, if that's if that's the case, my, well, did my you hear Brian God, Weinhurst? Del Demps is crazy. On the, I think it was on the jump, and someone asked him that, and he goes, that's literally what they did. He goes, oh, that's 100% what they did. Something along those lines, like, yes, they, they, it was all bad faith, and that's exactly why they did it. And I think that's... Uh, to me, that's I think that's pretty BS by the Pelicans. I think it is it. I don't or think so. Or is it an absolute See, boss move? Yes. Well, and, uh, Rob, I, I let, me, let me let me give you my reasoning why. For years and years and years, the Lakers have been this power team that everybody wants to go to and win, and so stars will leave the little markets like the Pelicans, like you know all of these smaller markets, and go to these teams because they want to win. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically the little guy standing up to the big guy. And I think that's deserved. I think the Lakers being this powerhouse of a team. I mean, what have we seen? When have we seen them be a powerhouse in the last 10 years? Let me jump in into Kevin's point. Now, if you think the Pelicans stuck it to the Lakers, now does that make sense why the NBA would then say, Oh, wow. Boom. Big punishments coming your way. And that now that because, actually, because they can't like maybe there's in that collective bargaining agreement, there's probably not a facilitator of, of ruling to say we can punish for that. But this is the backhanded way that they yep. can punish to say, OK, well, now you got to play the guy. Because I just think the whole thing's bad form. I don't I'm just not a fan. I get the Lakers thing about how they've been this powerhouse and everything. But you're not number one. I don't think you're doing your fans. At, um, I don't think you're servicing your fans, unfortunately, because really NBA Twitter is no, 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 specific, no, no. specifically Pelicans fans could be the real losers here. Because let's say come this off season, first of all, the Celtics have already. It's pretty apparent they're not going to include Tatum. Well, if you're not getting Tatum, can the Celtics really beat the offer the Lakers sent out there? I actually don't think they can. You know, because what do you, what are they going to send? Gordon Hayward, whose value has plummeted. Like has really unless he's playing the Wolves, which then he plays great, of course. <laughs> but that Lakers offer was pretty fantastic. I think we. Could, I mean, I, I there's a lot of people on Twitter that disagreed with me, but I personally think that was a really good offer. For you, for me, it's it's so hard for a small market team to jump to that that larger market. And right now, I think there's one team that has the best opportunity to do so and is doing so as we speak, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you look at what they've done so far this year and, and what Giannis has done with that club and what mm-hmm. the front office has done to try to build around Giannis and making some great moves. Well, players have chosen to go there too. Think about Greg Monroe. I mean, that that's the thing. Like mm-hmm. these small market teams, it for the longest time, they've been trying to find that model. How do you do it? How do you get players to want to come to you? And right now, the only small market team I can think of that's got that is Milwaukee. And... So now it's the, the, the Pelicans, what they have to do is they are not that team. They're going to move AD, and if they're smart, they'll do it to an Eastern Conference team, and they'll move on, and then they'll try, well, to, they'll try to build that mold. So I will say, yes, I get the throwing it to an Eastern Conference team, but I will say it's got to be at least somewhat comparable of an offer if you're going to make that trade to an I Eastern agree. Conference team. Because 
to me, it's all about building for the future. And and you're talking the Lakers are gonna we're willing to give them Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma. They were gonna give all of those players, and that's not a good deal. I mean, I don't even and and picks. And this idea that that they wanted, what was it, six to eight draft picks is absolutely ridiculous to me. Well, that would have been the first I've ever seen of that in the NBA. For me, Rob, it feels like in fantasy football, when you have a stud player like a like say a DeAndre Hopkins, and you want him, and you say, "Well, I'll give you this third string wide receiver." You know, my, your best guy you're going to get is some you know PPR slot guy and a, a backup running back. You know, it's just you you can't you can't replace a superstar with another superstar. They have to give you this pool of of talent. Yeah, it's a, that's, yeah. It's, you go, you go from grade a to, you know, B average kind of guys. It's just, it just all, no matter what you put three or four or five of them together, it doesn't equal or will ever equal what Anthony Davis is. Anthony Davis is, but you want a few game changing players that we have. What you want is a ticket to the lottery, like they say. And so you're getting two first round picks, which, which that's the most you can even offer. I believe maybe three, but you're talking two two first round picks, Brandon Ingram, who still has a very high ceiling. Lonzo Ball, very high ceiling. Kyle Kuzma, very high ceiling. I think Lonzo's overrated, in my opinion. For me, the only piece... Even if he is, though, it's still a really valuable piece. The only piece in those deals that are meaningful to me is Kuzma and a first-round draft pick. If I was the Pelicans... Brandon Ingram as a prospect at, what, 21 years old? Nope. I'm not... Wow. Absolutely... Not sold. That ship has sailed. I would take him uh, as like a fourth string guy or really what I would do is find another team that likes him, And then I would try to move them. But off, so that was the, that. that was part of the deal was uh, if, if they could have found a, a deal for this part of the deal additionally was going to be possibly Lonzo ball to the Suns, Josh Jackson to the Pelicans. Josh Jackson is playing out of his mind right now and looks really, really good. And so to me, let's say that was on the table. Because if you guys heard LeVar Ball, which yep. again, who cares yeah. what he that guy has to say? But he was talking about how he wanted he wanted Lonzo to go to the if he wasn't going to be in LA, he liked the idea of the Phoenix Suns. If that trade offer was on the t- table, that to me that makes it even that much better. Now you're talking Kuzma and Josh Jackson, and then of course the guy you don't like, but Ingram would be a piece. Yep. And then two first round picks. That's a pretty good deal. Um, and how are they beating that? Like who's beating that yeah. deal? But before we before we move on, because we're running a little bit short on time here, uh, the the trade winner of the deadline, and I know you're going to hate this, is the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, I mean, it's adding, tough to argue adding, against that. Adding Tobias Harris and yep. the best center in the NBA of all time, Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> Boban Marjanovic. Uh, who a they're the best of friends, so it's nice that they kept them together. I, I mean, I'm, although uh, I, I'm a fan of Boban, I, I don't know how much he's going to play because obviously he's behind. You know, uh, he's, Embiid. Well, so I watched him against the Lakers yesterday. He's the second center coming off the bench. I don't even know who their other center. Or, he, is. or he's he, sorry, he's the center coming off the bench. Yeah. Well, I don't even know who they else they have. Can you? I don't even. I don't, I don't, don't know. Yeah, Just Aaron, pull that up. And Boban had eight points and like six rebounds yesterday. I mean, I love Boban. I, I'm a fan of. Um, he also has an official Twitter account now, by the way. Oh, does so, he? Yes. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, he, biggest fan ever. Um, but adding Tobias Harris, a, a all-star snub in a lot of people's eyes on that team with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, Boban Marjanovic, the dude we don't talk about. That's a solid team to compete in the East. It's now. a really good team. It's if someone was to tell me that, uh, here's the thing. I think it's going to be 100. percent It's going to be them or the Bucks. 
Yep. Because the Bucks adding Miritich was a fantastic, Huge. fantastic deal. It, d- it did make Giannis a little upset, though. And then you're talking... Hold on. What are we holding on for? Can I get in on any of this? If you must. You want to keep going? If you must. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? Tobias is huge. And I think Boban, and when you have it with another gigantic, like just absolute load of a center in Embiid, I mean, those are two just big humans. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, that are going to yep. wear you down. The thing about it is, that's a hard matchup because if you if you if they can make it through the East and you say hey they're gonna play the Warriors, the Warriors now gotta bully around and beat and Boban. Yeah, I will say a strong one B for this trade deadline winner for me would be the Toronto Raptors. Oh, that's that's yes, Marcus Gasol. Yep, and I mean I get Jonas is a really good player. Don't get me wrong, but man, no Marcus Gasol. I think you add that IQ, that veteran presence, that that. Big game presence that Marcus Saul's been in. He's a winner. Did Did you see? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Man. this, but the that they almost additionally added a Mike Conley for Kyle Lowry slot, swap yep. in that. That would have been interesting too. I also Although, Rubio for Conley too, though. So here's your yep, Philadelphia yep. 76ers center depth chart: Embiid, Boban, Amir Johnson, who's no slouch by the way, sure, and former Timberwolf Justin Patton. He's been playing well, a little bit in the G League. Has he? Is he playing? Yeah. Wow. He's actually playing. I saw somebody retweeted uh, Justin Patton's stat line. So I really, I really liked Justin Patton when we watched him with Iowa, and literally would play at the Wolves. Yep. You, you definitely saw. I mean, granted, it's way different, and it's just little bits and pieces, but you could definitely see a little Carl Towns in him, just the way he played. When we drafted him, I called him Carl Towns Light. I mean, he really seemed like a kind of guy that could take that next step and be that, but foot injuries in big men are just no joke. Yep, exactly. And to me, we, we got saw, rid of... We saw it with Peck, and we worry about it with Bull Bull. Oh, 100%. There's so many issues there, and we you, you had to do it for salary purposes as part of it, but also it got you Jared Bayless, who... I, I mean, he's been solid for us. Jared Bayless has been way yep. better than advertised, and we got a second-round pick. To me, I'd rather have another chance at someone else, especially given Justin Patton was never going to be able to break through because think about this. You have Towns, so he's not starting over Towns, but then he's not playing over guys like Gorgie Jang, Taj Gibson, Dario Saric, so he yep. didn't really necessarily fit. And again, we said this at the beginning. When we drafted him, he didn't fit. Didn't make a lot of sense at all, even when we first got him. No, it really didn't. So that's one of those goofy things. I wish him all the success. I hope he does well. Yep. I mean, he's going to be a G League guy. I don't think his option was picked up, if I recall, because we had to, it was up to us, I believe, and we yeah, chose to decline it. Contract right here. So I hope that he gets an. I hope someone else takes a chance on him, yep. and I think they will. At least a two way. There's some teams out there that aren't good that maybe would take a chance on him on a yep. one year or a two year deal. So time will tell on Justin Patton. So the last thing I want to talk about, um, and I think it's uh, um, a, a sore subject for all three of us. I understand why. Uh, Maya Moore sitting out the 2019 WNBA season. Uh, as she posted an article in the Players' Tribune. Um, it was more of a paragraph than an article. Explaining I, why, I, I why she's, it was a big thing why she's like, stepping away. Uh, Aaron, this obviously doesn't help the links for 2019. No, I mean, it, it. it's impossible to replace a player of her caliber. Here's the thing with Maya Moore. You cannot falter in any way for doing what she wants to do. She's absolutely earned it. And for fans of basketball, fans of WNBA, and fans of the Minnesota Lynx, 
it's a loss not being able to see her talents on the basketball court. But at the end of the day, like on a human level, you have to respect what she's trying to accomplish. You know, I can't relate to what it's like to give that level of dedication solely to the sport of basketball. I mean, I played a ton of basketball. I never lost passion for the game or thought I needed to shift. Um, That's just me. My thing with her, I read the article. I've heard all the stuff. The timing of it's weird to me that she did it right after she was franchise tagged, basically. So that's my only, my only thing. Yes, Rob, that's absolutely correct. And what that designation is in the WNBA context is they consider it a core player and I'm on the WNBA's website and I'm looking at the 2019 core players, reserve players, restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents list. And of the core players, um, you have Maya Moore, who is, like we said, sitting out for 2019. Yep. And I will admit that the timing is interesting. You, you are designated as a core player, which limited her negotiating solely with the links for her next contract chooses out to sit this season. A part of me feels like, and I'll be honest with you, I don't have elite WNBA insider knowledge. Sure. So feel free. Anybody listening to the show here on dash radio, take me on Twitter or take the group on Twitter. Let me know what you think of this, but it feels a bit suspicious as you're, you're trying to sell us on some rest and, and mm-hmm. I need to refocus, et cetera, et cetera. Spending time focusing on ministry and family. Yep. All legit stuff. All great things. 100%. No, no doubt. I can't, I can't knock that, but I, can we admit that it feels the timing is a bit, Hey, I'm not, what's I don't believe that? in coincidence. And so for me, if this was really her plan, why did we not hear about this sooner? Why is it like immediately after the franchise tag, or the core player designation, you hear, oh, well, now there's, there's issues. And part of that, too, a little before that happened, just to put context behind this whole, the kind of how the timeline went, there was a rumor that came out and someone mentioned how the, the, the Maya Moore camp or Maya Moore or whatever was thinking she didn't want to be here anymore. That was the understanding. You know, she didn't like losing, which kind of absurd one season. But that was the first thing that came out. And then the Lynx came out and said, well, there's, we're, we're talking with Maya Moore about the situation, you know, and you hear there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Then they give her the, the core player designation. And then, boom, all of a sudden she's sitting out a year. The, the one caveat to me is if next year she comes back, plays with the links, then I, I wash my hands of the whole thing. And I say, all right, clearly it was literally about just that. But to me, it's too big of a coincidence for that decision to happen. Now, Aaron, you brought up the CBA information. Perfect. And I think that's, that's valid where maybe she, much like other, you know, Diane Taurasi did kind of the same thing where she said, look, I'm not making any money. I'm not making enough money. The toll on my body, I'm going to take a break. And I think that's totally legitimate because where they make their money is over in Europe. Yep. And they're Correct. playing year-round. Well, this the CBA is a issue at hand, I would say, without question because in the 20 after the 2019 season so this upcoming WNBA season yep. that CBA agreement comes to an end the union in the league will have to come to agreement during that offseason and this will be prior to the 2020 season when essentially this uh break of Maya Morris she would be coming back into a new CBA yep and you cannot without a doubt underestimate that that will be a point of negotiations 
for that CBA talk. I mean, this is... I had initially, when the news was announced, I said, this is like Jordan sitting out in his prime in terms of WNBA contents. Yes. However, Jordan sitting out in his prime was a personal matter. You know, loss of his father, you know, try and reset new life goals. He climbed to the top. You know, granted, Maya Morris at the top of the mountain right now, but it, but not in regards to a, a whole new CBA agreement happening. And I think that's a whole new dynamic. All I know is fascinating things for the WNBA season to unfold. I, I don't know what's going to happen to our Minnesota Lynx and, and how it's going to be impossible to fill that void. You know, let me just say this, but if you look at next year, let's say, let's say the Sparks and the Lynx both come out and offer Maya Moore a contract because you know the Lynx will. If, if Maya Moore decides she's come back, maybe she doesn't ever play again. Who knows? But if she does decide she's come back, let's say both teams offered her the same deal. If she chooses to go to the Sparks, then I think that the conspiracy we have going here, this idea, I think is real. I don't even know it's a conspiracy. Well, but I mean, just this like this idea that maybe there's more to it than she's letting on. Until one somebody else, season, she's never lost in her entire life. One time she loses, and all of a sudden she's going to take a break from basketball. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it has something more to be. <coughs> Excuse me, Rob. I think it has something to do with taking a break from basketball to reset on priorities plus having the benefit of you're really taking your destiny in your own hand contract wise coming into a new CBA. So I think you add up all three of those things together. You get to rest your body. You get to reset your priorities. You potentially get to position yourself and take ownership of your career path. I think once you add all three of those things up, that's why you get to this result. Sure. They are, they probably are weighted differently. But I think, to me, I think not wanting to be in Minnesota is probably more than she's letting on. That's kind of my thing. I'm, I'll be surprised about that, to be honest with you. And let me wave a huge, broad stroke paintbrush on this whole subject matter. Is really the overreaching concept of the state of the WNBA right now in regards to, you know, you've had the, the president resign. Yep, yep. You've had... Um, coach of the Los Angeles Sparks resigned, landed in, in Dallas. That was a huge change. There's there's some there are some things happening right now that really has I, I don't want to say like the stability is rocked a bit, but there's some core things happening that makes it kind of you wonder, yep. you know, where the footings are right now. Yeah, you know, who's true. really going to take that that next step to to lead this? This 2019 season is probably, I think you could argue, would be the most important season the WNBA has ever had. Yeah. Uh, so fair. one thing uh, last that I want to touch on, and then we'll move on, because this just came across my timeline. Uh, Landon Buford, who is an editor over at The Hype Magazine, uh, has tweeted that Anthony Tolliver is likely a buyout candidate. For Minnesota, with teams such as the Warriors, OKC Thunder, Raptors, and Mavericks. Um, oh no, sorry, those are the teams that were interested in them. But uh, probably uh, still would be. Is there... Still would be the four teams interested in signing him should the Wolves buy him out. I'm actually okay with that because he's not going to get minutes, and when he does play, I got to be honest, I have not been even remotely impressed. Because the one thing you're bringing him in for is threes. And I, I feel like it's almost rare he makes one. 
because they are covering him. Well, I, th- I think so part of strongly. that too is his lack of playing time. Yeah, but even when he plays, I, I feel I don't think he's effective in the role. And I think part of the problem is we don't have a lot of shooters on this team, and so teams can can literally guard just him. Whereas if he goes to a better team that's a better fit, like Oklahoma City or let's say the Raptors, teams that have better players, I think he's going to be more successful. And I think it's more fair to him. And so if you go off the caveat, I didn't want to take on a guy that's going to have a player option in a trade, but I do still want to give him a chance to go to someone that is a better fit. I think this makes a lot of sense. I think one of the biggest tells right now is if you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves game against the Los Angeles Clippers, Who's getting the start? You're getting yeah. Dario Saric. Now you got Taj as the backup. Tolliver's really trying trying yeah. to find hard to get minutes. Well, they've used him at the three too, which if you've watched that has not gone well. He, he's not good at the three. The four is where he's at. And a guy you can lean to his opinion on is Jim Peterson. And I've heard Jim Peterson say this a handful of times about Tolliver's. For him to be in the game, he has to bring more than simply shooting. And he, he doesn't. Has to, he has to be a better defender. Yep. He has to be a better rebounder and truly has to be a, a top-tier hustle guy. And I will add to your point, Rob, for me, with Tolliver, like you said, you see him come in the game. You know where he's going. Yep. You know what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. That's an easy guard. But you get him on a team that can spread the court more, now his quality of looks improve dramatically. 100%. Yep. And now he becomes so much more valuable where these – other intangible that he's lacking in, he can now exceed in his three-point shooting. Yep, I think that's all very fair. Uh, You are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Nut channel, The Howl. Or you can find us right here on Dash Radio as well. Uh, We are on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 Central, as well as 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central on Saturdays. Uh, Follow us at The Howl Radio on Twitter, uh, at NBN-Radio on Instagram. Uh, well, you can find uh, the the show channel, which does a lot of interactions, and uh, yep, uh, at the Sportsmen with two ends. Yep, at Aaron Groshong and at KDraves42 on Twitter. Interact with us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, if what we say is crazy and you want to call us out on it, please do. Uh, we love interacting with people. So uh, until next week for Dash Radio for the Nothing But Nut Channel for Aaron, Rob, and myself. Let me get a howl. Introducing the Roadcaster Pro Podcast production studio the roadcaster pro is a true world first all-in-one console solution for podcasters of all levels featuring four microphone channels bluetooth usb and trrs inputs eight color-coded sound effect pads four high power headphone outputs and more the roadcaster pro is professional podcasting made easy available in stores this december visit www.road.com for more information Once again, that's www.rode.com.